Carlo St. Bede School Red Hill. And I want to give a big shout out first and foremost to the business and economics department, specifically uh, Mrs. Patel, Mr. Wilkinson and Mr. Johnson. Uh, and I want to address this especially to the sixth form, uh, year 11 and year 10. Now, I want to give a few words about some of the work you've already covered. And I, as an asset manager, a fund manager, and also somebody who works with businesses with my government hat, and you can see sort of some of the images of where that's taken me. And as an author of 18 books on investing published by the Financial Times and so on, I thought it might be uh, useful to give you a sort of a practitioner's insight into some of the things you've already covered in school. Now, I know you've covered sources of finance, why financed is raised, uh, the importance of financial statements, cash flow statements, profit and loss statements, and the balance sheet. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think those are really important and which are my favorite bits in a moment, both as an asset manager, somebody involved in private equity, involved with fintech companies, uh, entrepreneurial companies from around the world, and I'll talk more about that in a second. So whether you want to go into business or you want to go into accountancy or or just generally know about investing because you know it can help for your future, uh, I think you'll find this rather interesting, whichever area you're looking at. I'll also talk to you about not just why those areas you've learned are very important to open up your options in life, but also why it's important for both public companies, which is what I generally invest in. My asset management company has a hedge fund unit as well as a private equity one, which invests in private companies. So those accounts that you've been learning are incredibly op uh, important for both those segments. But it's also important because in life, especially when you're at school, you want as many choices and options open to you as possible. Because very often you don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life. You don't know whether you want to be an accountant, a lawyer, private equity fund manager, uh, government advisor, author, who knows? And the skills you're learning now will help keep all those options open to you and make you incredibly invaluable to not just an employer, but hopefully to society as a whole. So let me kick off. You can see my life in finance has uh, been rather good to me. And that's the great thing about the things that you're learning. They are skills which can be taken across professions. So I started off originally qualified as a barrister. And then I was asked to present my own finance show on Bloomberg Television, on BBC, doing the paper review. Yes, all those things are a heck of a lot of fun, and they've taken me around the world as well. And that's why I think the things you're learning in finance, as I say, are so critically important. And I hope you'll work incredibly hard in your exams, because really, it's worth it. It's all worth it. The hard work you do now is really worth it in the rest of your life. And I tell you that when I'm sitting on a beach in Bali or in the Maldives, all those times in school where I did nothing but lock myself in my room and study and revise and study and revise, they were worth it, okay? And I'm not just saying it. They were really worth it to open up those options. So who am I? Well, you might think I look like that bloke. Uh, I'm not so much him. But yeah, again, just a bit of uh, background before I di deep dive into everything. Currently, I have two main roles. I have a role with the UK government, where I look for the most outstanding technology companies from around the world with a view to bringing them to the United Kingdom. That sees me traveling the world and meeting some of the people you see there. I've also, thanks to finance, uh, been able to explain finance to wide audiences, whether it's on Newsnight or, uh, again, for the UK government, whether in Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, India, Turkey, Middle East, 
uh, it's been a great privilege to be able to do that. And it all started because, well, yeah, it's going to sound a bit boring and parental. I worked hard at school. Uh, but honestly, it is and because finance opens up probably more doors than any other or business studies more or economics. And I have a degree in economics, more doors than any other degree I can think of or any other piece of education I can think of from my school days. I've also written all these books as well, published by the FT. Um, and I want to say something to you uh, about this. When I was at school, I was told I had a problem with my English. There I am, publishing books. What I want to say to you is, look, whatever hardships you're facing at school, whatever things seem like they're insurmountable and the future seems a million miles away and making money seems a million miles away and, uh, and, and contributing to society seems a million miles away, uh, just persevere, okay? Just get through it. You're young. You've got so much advantage and potential on your side. So listen to your school teachers and, and do persevere with it and make your teachers proud that's that's one of the make your family proud that's one of the greatest things you can do this is me in 1999 that's before you were all born okay and it's my column in the financial times about investing and i'm going to touch upon these investment issues so this is not a webinar about me though it might sound like it it's just to build up my credentials so hopefully you'll think yeah maybe we should listen to this guy he might know a little thing or two that uh, we should listen to. I know I sound really um, cocky and arrogant. I'm not, honestly, I promise you. Uh, do follow me on, on LinkedIn, feel free, and you'll see that actually that's a really good way of learning what people are doing in the workplace. So if you, you know, follow people on there, and there's, you know, there's people like Bill Gates on there, and all sorts of uh, business leaders on there, there's people from Dragon's Den on there, and so on. Uh, it'll give you a bit more business insight because you'll see articles they've written. You'll see what they're talking about, what's important in the world to them. At the moment, you know, there's chairwoman of uh, Pepsi who I follow. Uh, and there's other business leaders that I like to follow as well on there. So that's, that's a top tip when you're learning about business. Uh, that's a good way of just keeping your finger on the pulse. Okay. Now, I've been talking about this whole thing for, well, actually over 20 years now about business and investing. And part of my job, as I said, is to look at those accounts you guys have been looking at of companies like this and come to a decision on what we should invest in. That's what part of my job is. Okay, And sometimes, yeah, like you doing your business studies or your economics uh, uh, homework, you know, I do feel like banging my head on the desk. So listen, that feeling never goes away. So don't feel you're alone. Uh, but I have to say, having that knowledge of P&L accounts, balance sheets, cash flow, and how they interrelate, how they work, has sort of been a bit of a secret source to all the rewards that I wanted in life. Now, I don't want to sound selfish. In finance, people often sound really selfish. It's all about me, 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 money, money, money. It's all meaningless unless you do something with it which is good and useful. I happen to be chairman of the Lumbar Trust, which looks after widows and orphans. And I know for people of your generation, the great thing is you want to do more than just make money. You want purpose in your life. I know some of you are going, no, 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 just the money, please. Just give me the money. Deep down, you all want to do something more purposeful. So I want you to keep that in mind as you go through your school careers as well. Now, I can't analyze these companies unless I know all those things about their accounts. You know, we have little spreadsheets like this, which we put together, where we will draw upon the various companies will draw upon their balance sheets, their profit and loss accounts, um, and their P&L statements to work out their valuations. You know, the share price, P ratio, share price to, uh, to profitability, their revenue growth, 
their cash flow statements. I'm going to come to that in a second. And a whole host of other things as well. None of those things could be possible. And that's with listed companies. With private companies, of course, they don't have a share price as such. Uh, uh, none of those would be possible without some understanding of their accounts. And that's been critical. Okay, so if there's a secret source, you've got it. That's what you're learning at the moment. Again, part of my job is to work out, not gamble, not speculate on where the future will be, but to make sure the kind of companies I pick are resilient, that their balance sheets are solid. So I might look at their price-to-book ratios, that they don't have too many liabilities, that they can cover those liabilities, that they've got strong cash flow, so I'll look at their cash flow statements, that they've got good, strong earnings and earnings growth, so I'll look at their P&L statements. Uh, because I want resilient companies, because I don't know what the world's going to bring. We're not in the business of gambling and speculating on the next big thing or the next fad. We just want to see that the numbers in their accounts are solid and are likely to remain so. That's how we look to invest, and we don't trade in and out. And we're certainly not in the business of gambling, because our investors in our asset management company are pension funds. They're people who want safety and security. One of the other reasons why I like to talk to different audiences about investing is because there's a big ignorance about it. You guys are at a huge advantage in your school being able to learn these topics because the vast majority of people don't know about investing, don't know about what makes a company good, whether it's private or public. And if it's public, guess what? The SIPs and ISAs and people's pension funds, things you'll worry about in the future, they're all invested in public companies. So you need to know the stuff you'll already be comfortable with. And I'll tell you why. In red there, you can see five-year returns of the FTSE 100, the 100 largest UK companies. And in the blue, you happen to see the NASDAQ 100. Look at the big gap. They're just index trackers. They're just tracking indices of those companies. But look at the massive gap between somebody who might have, in America, tracked the US markets and somebody over here, which might have tracked only the UK ones. I'm not to, that's not to say the UK is bad or good or America's good or bad. What it's to say is with a bit of knowledge, you would know about investing because you know about accounts and P&Ls and so on, and that makes you more confident, more familiar with the tools which you're going to need in life in order to save for when you grow older and accumulate wealth and hopefully do good things with that wealth. So when, as I'm often asked by my clients, is this a good fund? And I point out to them that after three years, they're down 2% when the markets have been rising so much, and this is somebody's retirement fund, the, uh, unfortunately, my clients never had the education you had at school, so they have to come to me a lot later in life, and they don't have the advantage of knowing what they should be doing. You'll have those advantages because, as I said, you'll have financial knowledge and confidence. Not only that, part of my whole philosophy has always been that actually you can learn it yourself. Even at school, I started investing when I was 12 years old with £100 borrowed from my aunt. Okay, I'm not suggesting you'll go out and invest. Your parents will kill me if I suggested that. What I'm saying is you should at least have the education to know uh, uh, how to do it because somebody like me who's completely self-taught from my school days onward can go on to win competitions on investing and beat fund managers who manage billions and billions of pounds. So what I'm saying is I don't want you just to look at others in awe and say, oh, I'll just give my money to them. They know best. They always know best. Actually, you too can work it out. As somebody who started off investing as a school child, 
uh, and so I'd learning about it. I didn't have much money to invest. So I wouldn't really call it investing, but certainly learned about it when I was at school. That confidence stays with you for the rest of your life and can be life altering. This is not what investing is about. It is not meant to be this. It is not the whole day trading and the give me the latest crypto and the latest TikTok news uh, and so on. It is not meant to be that. I think that's gambling. I think that's speculating. I don't think uh, you should be looking at that other than purely for fun. Uh, so not with real money, just fun, just to see what's going on in the world. That's fine. What I do think uh, investing is more about, and the things, some of these things that you'll have come across, and I'll tell you what, again, my favorite indicators are in a moment, is about valuation. You know, and these are some of the indicators I look, look at. Discount cash flow, price to sales, price to book. It's about, has the company got growth, private or public? Sales growth, earnings growth, cash flow growth. What about income? Is it generating dividends, generating earnings to pay those? dividends. What about momentum? Now, these are things you probably haven't come across yet, but you can look at it in due course. On the hedge fund side, we very much look at momentum. Are prices in a rising trend? And statistical analysis you probably haven't come across in terms of share price movements, but we do look at this. Um, how are the company's prices uh, and returns distributed? In other words, do they consistently get high returns year on year? How do they do over a 20-day period, a six-month period, a one-year period? Are they always positive or could there be some large drawdowns? How do they correlate to the broader market? Because we actually want lots of companies which aren't correlated to each other, otherwise we're just buying one big company. Anyway, there's a lot to be learned and this is just a tip of the iceberg. I wanted to just tell you a bit about my favorite indicator or my favorite ratio because I know there's a lot of ratios. So what do Goldman Sachs tell their wealthiest clients? So as a hedge fund manager, I was invited to a lunch by the chairman of Goldman Sachs Asset Management. I know it sounds like I name drop a lot. I'll tell you about the time I met John Lennon. And I haven't met John Lennon. And uh, they reveal this ratio that they use to tell their wealthiest clients. Now imagine that. They tell their wealthy clients. So unless you've got $50 million to deposit with Goldman Sachs Asset Management, this is what they use to pick stocks and, and investments. And this is what I continue using. I'm afraid I stole it. I didn't steal it. I copied it. I copied it. And it's called Cash Return on Capital Invested, or Crokey. It's a cash flow measure. And what they discovered is that companies which are in the top quartile, the top 25% of companies by Crokey, generate 30% per annum returns over the long term. In 2008, nobody got 30%. So it's not every year. It's not a bank account. But over the longer period of time, on average, that's what it works out at. So that's my favorite ratio. It's not probably one you've covered. I'd be surprised if you have, because very few people know it. It was invented by Deutsche Bank. It's used by Goldman Sachs Asset Management. And there you go. You can see the slide. It's part of their quantum database. So shh, don't tell anyone else. St. Bede's School Redhill has got a complete advantage on investing, okay? On a broader note, why might you want to invest? Well, I'm going to give you, and some of you might be thinking already at this stage, shut up, Mr. Patel, I'm rich already. Well, you know, assume you plan to invest over 15 years. The great advantage you've got is your youth. Let's say you make 20% per annum, which is a lot. Maybe some years you make more, maybe some years you make less, maybe some years you make a lot less. Nothing extravagant, but let's just take that as an assumption to get you, you know, get your, you a bit excited. Now, let's say you've got £10,000 in a SIP or ISA. You probably haven't got a SIP or an ISA right now. Your parents will know what I'm talking about. Look into it. You plan to add £500 each month. There's no way you've got £500 at the moment, unless you're an entrepreneurial genius at school. Uh, but it, these are just numbers for you to play with. Well, in 15 years, you'll have 600 k which is nearly a million dollars in 15 years. By the time you know, you're touching about your early 30s, which seems really old. 
trust me, somebody who's passed 30 in the rearview mirror a long time ago, that is not old. And this is what it looks like. In green are your contributions, and in red is the future value. Now, everybody always talks about compounding, don't they? You know why people don't do compounding? Because for the first three or four, well, three, four, five, six years, barely makes any difference. No, it makes difference back then. Delayed gratification is what psychologists call it. People who succeed in life are the ones who can delay their gratification. In other words, they can delay consumption and spending in exchange for saving. And you might say, oh, God, how boring, Mr. Bidder. How boring. We want to live our lives. Do live your lives. But just keep this in mind that your life isn't what's happening just today. It's actually what's going to happen for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And you've made the greatest start to it because you've already started learning about investing and those things. Anyway, one thing that I've been a part of has been a campaign to teach a million people completely for free how to be better uh, investors. It's more geared towards people a little bit later than yourselves, but you're more than welcome to have a look at it all. Uh, and there's virtual internships when you're at the right age. They're virtual, they're online, lots of free education from my Financial Times books, and you can download free copies of my books as well. It's all completely free, and its its goal is to make sure people are more financially literate, there's improved financial education, and I'm proud to say the Financial Times newspaper, who are my publishers for my books and my newspaper columns, are also leading a financial education uh, drive as well within our schools. And it's also been, for me, as somebody who grew up in Leeds, no silver spoon in my mouth, it's been really important for something called social mobility, which I'm sure you've heard of. And uh, so there's these bigger things, which when you get older, you want more of. If that doesn't sound too patronizing, forgive me if it does. I apologize. But honestly, those bigger purposes will matter more when you're older. Uh, and it's better to plan ahead now. And you're already on the right tracks for that. So congratulations uh, for, well, congratulations to your parents for picking a good school for you and the good education that you're getting. Keep up with it. Revise hard. Make your teachers proud. Make yourselves proud. Make your families proud. And I assure you... When you're sitting on that beach in Bali or Maldives, thanks to the results you got in your education today, you'll be thinking of me for at least half a second and thinking, God, that old man was right. Thank you all very much indeed.